This is a very long one. So it starts with a pitch and from another television show, and then it goes to the rescue of Keisha, Kimba, and Seuss from J&K in New York. And it's going to be a little bit confusing if you are watching now because we have a tiger named Kimba, who is a male who was rescued from Guatemala. This is talking about a tiger named Kimba, who is a female who was rescued from New York. And the reason that sometimes cats here have the same names is if they come with a name, we keep it if we can, and we add like a last name. So we have Max Tiger, Max Bobcat, we had Max Cougar. And so by giving them their last name based on their species, we can tell them apart in our rep record keeping. But um, sometimes we have to spell it differently so that we can keep it straight in our records if they are the same species and the same name. But we want to keep the cats' names if we can at all possible because that's their names. May 28th, 2014. TV pitch from Shipping Wars. This came from Megan Schultz. And she says, hi there, I'm an associate producer on the reality TV show Shipping Wars, seen on the network A&E. We are currently looking into items or loads to ship for the upcoming season. And since we tend to gravitate toward items that are logistically difficult, oversized, or pop culture related, we figured it was definitely worth reaching out to you after coming across your website. We're curious if you might have anything either being shipped to or from you that we could potentially feature during an upcoming episode. If not, I'd still be interested in hearing if you have anything in your possession that could possibly make for an interesting television, should it at any point down the line need to be shipped. I look forward to hearing from you. About the show. A&E's original real-life series, Shipping Wars, follows six independent shippers who have discovered that fortunes can be made transporting items that traditional carriers won't touch. Each episode dives into the cutthroat world of heavy-duty movers as they battle for the chance to transport the unshippable. The competition begins with U-Ship, the world's largest online marketplace for independent truckers. Every day, thousands of shipments are put up for auction. The battle is fierce as the movers have only minutes to bid and the lowest bidder gets the load. Shippers Mark, Jarrett, Jennifer, Chris, and Robbie are back for their fourth season, hauling some of the strangest and most challenging items to date. From a house houseboat to a human-sized hamster wheel, there is nothing that these movers won't ship. Shipping Wars is produced by Megalomedia for A&E Network. Executive producer is Jonathan Nalzaradan. Shipping Wars is viewed by 1.5 to 3 million viewers every week, making it one of A&E's highest rated shows. And then it gives the link to Shipping Wars. Thanks, Megan Schultz, associate producer, Megalomedia. I wrote her back saying, Hi, Megan, we would not subject something as stressful as moving wild animals to a TV circus because the animal's best interests always come first. But we do have an issue with toys for tigers that may be of some interest. Yesterday, we loaded three tigers in New York and they are being shipped via loving friends to our sanctuary and due to arrive in a couple hours. We filmed the loading and we'll film the unloading if you want to use it. We order a product called the 30 inch planet ball for our lions and tigers and it costs $325 from boomerball.com. But the problem is that it costs almost that much again to ship it from California to Florida. If your show pays the shipping, it could mean some fun for the cats that we otherwise may not be able to afford. Carol Baskin. 
And then this was later in the same day. Deja vu is all I can say. It happens over and over like a recurring nightmare for the wild animals suffering through it. Only the names and places change. Someone wants to rescue wild animals because that seems like glamorous work. So they buy animals and just prolong the problem until the really bad guys find out that there is a new place to dump last year's photo cubs, and then the rescues become more legitimate in the eyes of the rescuer, because at least they aren't paying for animals anymore. Usually, the big cats who need rescuing are the cubs who just outgrew the ridiculous 8-12 to 12 week window in which USDA condones the use of cubs for photo and pay-to-play sessions. All it takes to fix this mess is for USDA to acknowledge that it is a violation of the Animal Welfare Act to take cubs from their mothers for this inhumane, unethical, albeit lucrative exploitation. But I digress. This video, and in the original this was a web page and there was a video in here apparently, was shot in 2009 at J&K's Call of the Wild, and the dangerous conditions, lack of respect for the powerful nature of these wild animals, and lack of understanding of their physical and emotional needs was evident. The cats were thin, but not starving yet at that time. Five years go by, and citations pile up for not providing sufficient shelter, not having an attending vet, not willing to provide documentation of where the cats came from or went, and having a perimeter fence that was only two feet above the six feet of snow. This article from 2009 detailed the illegal purchase of a leopard that resulted in a seizure and a fine, as well as a number of other violations, and yet the media treated it like a puff piece. That was bigcatrescue.org forward slash lions, tigers, and bears find refuge. So, every few weeks, more litters of lions, tigers, primates, and bears are bred, used, and discarded into these pseudo-sanctuaries. But then the animals grow up into 500-pound apex predators who require thousands of dollars in food and vet care each year. And before you know it, the sanctuaries have collapsed under the collective weight and debt. Then other sanctuaries of varying financial stability are called in to clean up the mess, but most of those are not in much better shape than the facilities they are asking they are being asked to bail out. Big cats are bounced around from breeder to photo booth operator to the public as pets, who then dump them into the hands of backyard hoarders who collapse and then the bigger sanctuaries come and move them for their fourth or fifth home where they may still where they may stay until they die but even then will sometimes end up in yet another rescue situation when the bigger places fail as well the second worst part of all of this is that the animals suffer from the time they are only a few hours or days old when they are ripped from their mothers and thrust into this dismal cycle and begin the years of suffering as the legal processes wind through the courts. The worst part of this scenario is that it would be so easily avoided by a ban on public contact with the cubs. Help do that here 
and I gave the link to what was then our our uh, call to action page. Now it's bigcatact.com. That's what happened at JNK's Call of the Wild. In 1997, Ken and Jackie Wisniewski started rescuing big cats, bears, wolves, and a variety of other wild and domestic animals. Before long, they were in over their heads. Feeding the animals wasn't a problem because there's a lot of roadkill in Sinclairville, New York. We counted half a dozen dead deer, a duck, and a raccoon in just two days visiting this sleepy little town. Maybe the locals drive too fast, or maybe it's all of the grape vineyards and farms that attract so much native wildlife. The problem was that the rotting carcasses were just left to fester, along with the piling excrement in the tiny barren cages. The lions and tigers, who are the most fastidious creatures on earth, were forced to live in these abysmal, fly-infested conditions, while USDA went through the tedious process of siting the facility year after year after year with no improvements. Finally, after many years of failing to provide vet care or clean and safe caging, USDA revoked the license, which is a multi-year task. The state of New York had previously banned the private possession of big cats, bears, and wolves. But in all but four states, Kentucky, Ohio, West Virginia, and West Virginia, a person could circumvent the ban if they held a USDA license. Now, J&K had lost their USDA license, and the animals could have been seized years ago. But, as is often the case, the violator will just have a family member or friend get a USDA license issued in their name, and then the whole process starts over. When Ken and Jackie Wisniewski lost their USDA license, they just had their daughter, Christy Wisniewski, get one in her name. It's easy. A one-page form, name, address, and phone, and $40, and you can get around any van just about anywhere. So, the long legal battles had to start over again, until the daughter had a falling out with her mother and decided not to renew her USDA license. In case I'm not clear, these are the same animals in the same cages at the same locations suffering from the same conditions. They've just changed the name on the paperwork. This happens all the time. So the long legal battles had to start over again until the daughter had a falling out with her mother and decided not to renew her USDA license. What usually happens is that there would now be no government agency checking in on the animals and conditions. These kinds of places would then enjoy the luxury of doing as they please with no one looking over their shoulder, and that would always lead to worse conditions for the animals. By this time, Terry Thompson in Zanesville, Ohio, had set free 56 lions, tigers, and bears in 2011, and state agencies awakened to the fact that it could happen in their states too. The New York State's Attorney's Office decided to send a message to all of the backyard breeders, dealers, and pseudo-sanctuaries that they would no longer turn a blind eye to the danger that these facilities pose to the public and launched the biggest seizure of wild animals in New York's history. USDA contacted the Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries and asked if they could place the J&K animals. The Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries, GFAS, made arrangements for all of the animals to be rescued, 
But then Jackie Wisniewski decided that she didn't want to give them up, and she would wait and see if the New York Department of Environmental Conservation really would take action. Or, if they would, like they do in most places, just ignore the situation until someone was mauled or killed. On May 27, 2014, at 7.30 a.m., Jackie Wisniewski found out the state of New York wasn't bluffing. What she couldn't know, and what we couldn't tell you, is that the International Fund for Animal Welfare, IFA, had taken the lead and arranged for the 11 tigers, three lions, three bears, and two wolves to be picked up and transported to Big Cat Rescue in Florida via Loving Friends, Safe Haven Wildlife Rescue Zoo in Nevada, Wild Animal Sanctuary in Colorado, InSync Exotics in Texas, the Exotic Feline Rescue Center in Indiana, and Animal Lifeline would transport the wolves to a facility in Pennsylvania. On July 3rd, IFAW reimbursed the transport costs of $4,409 to Big Cat Rescue. We couldn't let the cat out of the bag until after the last animal was rescued from the site for fear of starting a media circus that could propel the owner into doing something dangerous to the animals or the rescue crews. We know that most people who will donate to help big cats want to fund a rescue, but once the cats are safe, they are off to the next exciting rescue. We hope that you are different. We went out on a limb because these cats were literally starving to death. And one tiger, Sasha, had died before we even arrived. We had agreed to take four tigers, but when we got there, Sasha was no longer alive, and no one seemed to know anything about why or when she died. Some said she was alive last summer, others said she was still alive in February of this year, and others said she had been dead for years. We had to give up the chance to involve everyone in the excitement of a rescue, because these cats depended on us keeping quiet so the owner wouldn't do anything foolish. We were able to load our tigers by 1 p.m. on Tuesday, May 27, 2014, but had to maintain silent mode until all of the animals were safely on their way to the other rescue sites. What we saw during the rescue was unimaginable suffering and conditions that clearly threatened everyone in the area. No agency had been able to inspect the animals since December of 2013, nearly six months ago, and at that time, they said the cats were well-fed, but that the rotting carcasses, piles of feces, and ramshackle cages were reason enough to seize the animals. Well-fed appears to be a judgment call, because the 2009 video of the tigers showed them to be far too thin five years ago, in our opinion. JNK had a pile of citations for not allowing inspectors into the property, but in many cases, those are considered by the bad guys to be far less incriminating than actually answering the gate and letting the inspectors see what they are doing. The cats were starving to death. Their ragged fur, which was missing in places from laying in their own excrement, was stretched taut over protruding bones. Kimba, the tigress, born in August of 1994, seems to have just given up and laid unresponsive in her den. Former volunteers there said she had been bred to Zeus for four to six litters of cubs in her life. It wasn't until she saw that there was the promise of food in exchange for pulling her aching body up into the transport wagon that she came to life. Big Cat Rescue President Jamie Borstein 
had locked Kimba in her den so that we could push the wagon up to the rickety door. As soon as she was released, and given the scent of beef on a stick, she followed it right into the foreign transport box without much hesitation. Zeus, the tiger, born September of 1996 to Kimba, has limited vision, and it looks like his retina may be separated in his eye, which can be extremely painful. Other tigers there had the strange, same strange, other tigers there had the same strange-looking eyes, where the golden part of the iris is almost completely covered over the lens. As soon as Zeus saw food, he ran down the length of his cage, chasing Big Cat Rescue's operation manager, Gail Ingham, who was racing outside the cage, toward the beast wagon that had been affixed to a hole that was cut into the side of his cage. Zeus was the largest tiger, and the hole really wasn't big enough, but metal piping made it impossible to make the hole any larger. Zeus didn't care. He wanted that life-giving morsel of food so bad that he squeezed like liquid tiger through the opening into the circus wagon. Jamie dropped the door and Zeus was on his way to a life of luxury that he couldn't possibly imagine. The cages were rotted to the point of falling apart. Rusty screws held ragged sheets of plywood together for the dens and doors. If the tigers had any strength left in them, they could have burst through. This made for some tense moments, especially when it came to loading Keisha the tigress. She was born in May of 2000 to Kimba and Zeus. Apparently, the way the cats had been fed, back when they were being fed, was that they were locked out of their dens. The food tossed into the dens via a back door, and then they were let back into the den. The part that has to be explained here is that the dens were made of crumbling plywood. Citations went back to 2012 for these unsafe conditions. The doors had deteriorated over time to the point where a makeshift system was rigged to keep the tigers from just pushing the doors out of their rotted frames. It was made of curtain rod hooks that were shaped in a semicircle and screwed with tiny, now rusted screws, one on either side of the door opening. Then, two pipes were passed through the hooks to hold the door shut. Jamie took a handful of material, and it turned to shards and dust in her hand. The first attempt at capturing Keisha was to shut her in the den, then hook up the transport to a hole that was hastily cut into the side of her prison cell. With the other cats, rescuers had been able to shut them out of their dens and lead them into the wagons, but Keisha still had enough life left in her to be frantic to eat. So as soon as her den door shut her out into the yard, she began clawing frantically to get back into the den where she thought the food would be. When a cat is focused on something, there isn't much you can do to get their attention. Gail was waving the chicken and beef chunks on a stick and trying to get Keisha to forget about getting back into the den for food. It wasn't working. The area where rescuers were working was so tight that the rope holding the transport door open had to be threaded into a vacant nearby cage and operated from there by me. Jamie decided to pull the den door open and hold it open so that Keisha could see for herself that there wasn't any food in there, but Keisha was afraid to climb into the hay-filled beast wagon and sensed it was a trap. In typical cat style, she would reach her neck and one paw as far toward the juicy meat as she could without committing her back legs. 
Gail let her come in and get a piece or two to see that nothing would happen. And then on the third offering, Keisha was emboldened to climb all the way in. Keisha only has half a ear and a little bob tail. We think she lost them to the lions next door. Later that was confirmed. All over this compound, the bears and big cats shared common walls of a material never witnessed by big cat rescuers for housing big cats. The openings in the metal cattle panels were eight inches wide and six inches high. It is incomprehensible that no human ever lost their life or limbs working so close to such dangerous wild animals, with nothing to prevent the animals from reaching the full length of their arms out to grab a passerby. In the 2009 video, Jackie Wisniewski reaches her arm all the way to her armpit to pet the cats and talks about how her staff and volunteers have to earn the cat's trust to pet them this way, but then admits that the cats are always looking for a way to pull you into the cage. In some places, a new barricade fence had been erected, where previously there had been none, and it was so tight against the cage that there was no safe way to walk around the enclosure. All of the animals had shared walls, which meant it must have led to some intensive fights and quite possibly the deaths of animals along the way. No one seemed to know exactly when or how Sasha the tigress had died. The only cage to have a double wall, one with a space of about three feet between the walls, was the one between Keisha and the two lionesses. Keisha and the lionesses both had common walls with Zeus, but it would appear that Keisha lost her ear and tail. Someone finally installed it, but it would appear that after Keisha lost her ear and tail, someone finally installed a double wall between the lions and Keisha. That one small measure has probably saved her life, but her tail healed in such a scarred and unusual way that it's doubtful she ever had a vet attend to her wounds. In the video, you can see that her tail was missing as far back as 2009. As each of the cats were loaded into their transport wagons, they were rolled up into Loving Friends Transport Vehicle, where they probably experienced air conditioning for the first time ever. Even though they loaded quite easily, they were all stressed out by the move and the chaos of the day, so the lower temp helped take some of the edge off. Within minutes, Kimba was sound asleep in the deep, soft hay. If anyone wouldn't survive this trip, it would be Kimba. She just had so little spirit left in her. I checked on her several times to be sure she was still breathing, and she seemed blissfully asleep. Then there's an update that says 17 days later, we had to euthanize Kimba because she could not recover from the ailments brought on by being kept in such filth and starved and not having access to water. And that was at bigcatrescue.org forward slash euthanized tiger. And I think that page actually talks about our thought process, like how we make a decision when it's time to give up. Zeus gulped down water before laying down in his big fluffy hay bed. These cats, like so many others across the country, these cats, like so many others across the country, were kept on rocks. There was no place for them to feel the soft earth, nor roll in the grass, nor enjoy the shade of trees or bushes. The only shade or escape from the sharp-edged rocks was in their smelly dens and on a small table in each cage. But these cats didn't look fit enough to jump up onto them. 
Zeus had been a big and powerful male at some point in his life, but now you could see the remains of his wasted muscles and protrusion of his ribs and hips. Big cat rescuers loaded tigers for two hours, and the officer in charge commented that we worked together like a well-oiled machine. Despite the rush to load the tigers and move out of the way for the next rescue group, there were some heartbreaking moments. The worst, for cat lovers, was the owner said her cat had died, so she had thrown the cat into the cage that housed the four youngest tigers, who appear to have been born at JNK in 2004, and were probably still considered the favorites. As hungry as those tigers must have been, something must have registered in their heads that this was just too awful to consider. Time may have finally caused them to overcome their disgust at being fed another cat, had they not been rescued today. So the bloated body of the domestic cat laid there in a haze of flies. I can still see that. As soon as the tigers were all loaded and their transport cages were strapped down for the 22-hour trip, Big Cat rescuers and JT and Laura Taylor of Loving Friends were on their way back to Tampa. The cost of the transport and rescue was approximately $7,000, but that is just the beginning. Getting these tigers back on the road to health will mean vet care and specialists for the eyes. It means a lot of high-quality food, vitamins, joint supplements, probably a good deal of pain management. Just one healthy tiger costs Big Cat Rescue $10,000 per year just for food and vet care, and these neglected tigers will need much more intensive care. Even though they are safe and will never go hungry again, it is only because people like you will open your hearts to these precious creatures. Please, let them know that you are there for them, for now and forever, with a monthly gift of whatever you can afford.